Um, just before I get to share the word, I, I first of all just want to say a, a big congratulations to every matriculant that just got their results this past week. And um, I, I don't think we'll have many of the room in here with us because they will be with Reverb, but we will certainly have parents of matriculants. And I think actually the praise belongs to you. You should get all the applause and appreciation. So well done. And uh, just really, it's so great. Isn't it wonderful that they've been able to do that and do that well? And uh, we celebrate that. I also want to just take a moment and congratulate our own school for the amazing results they again achieved this year. And uh, so many students that did so well. I think the average is about four distinctions per child. So that's quite something in our matriculant group. I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. 2.7. Okay. It's only 2.7. I mean, that's quite amazing. That's, that's more distinctions than what I got in matric. So well done. And uh, just we're so proud of our school and all the hard work. And not only as a great center of education, but really a place that disciples children and trains uh, leaders for the nation. So congratulations to that. Then second thing I just want to say is I had the privilege of, uh, of not firstly growing up in this community, and that meant that at the age of 15, I did my first LTS, 15 years old. I didn't quite know what life was all about at that time. I certainly didn't know what was ahead of me, but I'm so thankful that I was able to do LTS from a young age. And then I've done so many and have been involved with so many, and then did Year of Your Life, where we did full-time LTS, and it you know what LTS does is it gives you tools to face anything that comes at you in life in terms of your relationship with the Lord and from there responding to what happens in life. So I want to give a challenge to our younger people, particularly today also, and um, think about it if you're a parent of a child that's like, I've got students lounging around at home at the moment, waiting for varsity to start. Perhaps this is a great time to get them into an LTS. Sign them up and let them be part of that. It'll only do well, it'd only be good for them. So there's a thought there. As Ben has said, we are starting with our week of prayer and fasting tomorrow. But today, I want to share with you just in, tight, in this message to orientate us to sort of just draw our attention in the right spaces when it comes to this time of prayer and fasting and uh, why we are wanting to do this. And I want to take you to a scripture, a very well-known um, account in Scripture in Matthew 8 of one of the miracles that Jesus did. Our focus in this week of prayer and fasting, and as it's going to be for this term, is really going to be on Jesus. We want to get to know Jesus better. We want to get to, and to understand who Jesus is and how to have a living, vital, growing relationship with Him. In Matthew 8, we have an account of Jesus encountering somebody that came to Him with a prayer request, with a need came to him to ask something. And this led to quite something remarkable. In Matthew 8, verse 5 to 10, we read, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. 
I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now I want to ask you the question, why did Jesus give such a commendation to this centurion? I mean, I can imagine Jesus having met this guy, and, and let's say, I, I know this isn't true, but let's say, for instance, the disciples weren't around. So Jesus, after having met this, this centurion, went on to their disciples' WhatsApp group, and he sent like emojis of thumbs ups and and praise and like, wow, I just met a guy who had greater faith than anybody I've met in Israel. Well, that's quite something. That's quite a statement. That's quite a commendation that Jesus is making. In one sense, it must have been a little offensive because the Jews wouldn't have thought that a Roman, a centurion, a Gentile could receive and deserve such high praise from Jesus. But Jesus says, I haven't found any greater faith. Why? What was it about this Roman centurion's statement or his posture or his behavior in that moment that deserved such praise. And I'd like us to consider what I think it is that caused Jesus to respond in this way, particularly as we enter into a space where we're going to present ourselves to the Lord and ask Him. I, you know, I'd love it if I can go to the Lord and ask Him something and the Lord responds in the same way. Wow, this is great faith that I've seen in operation. What can you and I learn from this centurion. I think there's three things that this centurion recognized about Jesus. And because he recognized these things correctly, he assumed the correct posture, he assumed the correct approach to Jesus. And it is these three things that he recognized that caused Jesus to respond in this way. I think the first thing he recognized is he recognized Jesus' position. He recognized Jesus's position. Now, please remember, this is a Roman centurion. A Roman centurion was a man of some standing in the Roman military, which occupied that part of the world. He was used to walking around and people scurrying away when they saw him, because you didn't quite know what he was going to do to you. He had the right and the authority to deal with people in the manner that he saw fit. Not only did he have people under his command that would execute any command that he gave, but even in the Jewish population or the population of the people at the time, the, the non-Roman citizens in particular, he had great authority over them. He was a man of stature. Yet when he comes to Jesus, he recognizes somebody with even greater position than himself. And this is quite remarkable because on a material level, on a sort of just normal, you know, what you will see with your natural eyes, here you have a centurion with his uniform, his medals, his stature, standing before a Jewish young man. Probably Jesus, 31, somewhere around there. Not quite yet seen as a person of great authority in the society, and definitely not viewed by a Roman centurion naturally as a person with any, that's worthy of any respect. You would probably have expected this Roman centurion to come to Jesus and say, I order you to come and deal with this problem. He, that would normally be the approach. But here he comes to Jesus and he asks, he says, Lord Jesus, 
Well, I don't know if he used the word Lord Jesus. He says, Jesus, I have a problem. Can you help me with this problem? Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Should I come to your home? He immediately responds and says, I am not worthy of you coming to my house. Can you see his posture? I'm not the one with the high position here. You're the one with the high position. Now that in itself at first is remarkable. The average Jew, the average Jew of the time did not recognize that position of Jesus. They were still debating, considering who this Jesus was. This Roman soldier just jumped over all of them and went and stood in front of the line and said, I see you, I see who you are. And that's why Jesus could say, I haven't seen greater faith. Because we must always remember, faith is not about what you believe so much, biblical faith, it's about who you believe in. How many of you know you can believe something to the core of your being? Like you see these young people that go on like these music shows, these talent shows like idols. And they believe to the core of their being that they are the best singers in the world. They believe it. And no matter what anybody says, it's not going to change their belief. They have faith that they are the best singers and they deserve to win that competition. You can believe anything you want with all the conviction in the world doesn't necessarily make it great faith. What makes it great faith is that you believe Jesus is who he says he is. Because if you believe who Jesus is, who he says he is, then you can believe Jesus will do what he says he will do. It's believing in the character of Jesus. And this man recognized the position of Jesus. Imagine, I was in the military. And as a 19-year-old, I walked, well, I was 18 at the time. I walked into the military. You know, and you immediately get given a uniform and there's nothing on this uniform. You have no rights and standing. You belonged, you were, you were a possession of the South African Defense Force of the time. They could do with you what they wanted. You had no position. Anybody you stood in front of, you had to stand up at attention because anybody, everybody was higher than you were. And then later I, I did courses and I got my own rank and suddenly, you know, there were certain people. Here's a Roman centurion standing before Jesus like he is a person with no authority. Saying, you are the person with authority. I recognize your position. This is Jesus. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He says, Lord Jesus, I'm not worthy that you come to my house. Your position is far greater than mine. And I think that's very important that when you and I come to Jesus, we recognize his position. We recognize who he is. Now, I'm so thankful that Jesus comes and he says, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. The scripture says Jesus is my older brother, which is perhaps a bit more of a this position of esteem than what we would consider it in our culture today, most of our cultures. But still, Jesus presents himself to me, and he's, he's very sort of down to earth, isn't he? He's like close to me. He's my brother. He's, but I must never forget who I'm actually dealing with. Because I can become too buddy-buddy with Jesus. I can treat Jesus like he's just like me. And the problem is when I begin to treat Jesus like that, 
I don't recognize his position, and therefore I will not recognize what he can do. So when I come to Jesus in prayer, I come to him recognizing this is the highest authority within the Trinity, as part of the Trinity, this is the highest authority that I'm dealing with. This is not a place to mess around. This is not a place to fool around. This is Jesus. I recognize his position. That doesn't mean he's not close to me, he doesn't love me, I don't have a comfortable relationship with him, but it's just I'm not that familiar that I consider himself to be my equal. He is of high position. That's the first thing he recognized. The second thing he recognized is he recognized Jesus' authority. If you read in the scripture, it says, he says this. Um, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. He says, I'm, I know what it's like to have authority, Jesus. And I recognize that you are a person of authority. I recognize your authority. You have the authority, Jesus, to deal with this problem that I have. And that's very important. You see, because when you and I come to Jesus and we're praying for something, we must always remember we're praying to the person who has authority to actually speak into this problem of mine. If I forget that, then prayer becomes therapy. And prayer is not therapy. There's a therapeutic element perhaps to prayer sometimes, but prayer is not therapy. Prayer is something different. You see, if, if, I, if I have a problem, that something I'm struggling with, and, and, and I go to my friends, I go to Neil and Tia or Ben and, and Renee or, or Graham and, and Debbie or any of my friends, and I go to them and I, have, I say to them, listen, I have a problem. Can you help me just process through this and think through this. That's great. It's very helpful to do that. But I'm not necessarily going to them because they have the authority to actually do anything about my situation. They're just helping me. That's, you understand? That's what I mean. It's therapeutic on some level. But when I go to Jesus and I say, Lord, like this Roman centurion, go, Lord Jesus, my servant is suffering. He's not telling that to Jesus so that Jesus could go, ach, shame. Ach, shame. If he was South African. Hey, sorry now. I'm with you. Why is he coming to Jesus? Because he says, Jesus, I recognize your authority. You have the authority to deal with this situation. When you and I come to the Lord Jesus in prayer, we must be careful that we're not just going to somebody to say, Lord, I just want you to know what I'm going through. I'm coming to somebody to say, Lord, I want to know what is your will. What do you want done in this situation? I'm coming to you with a sense of submission. You see, whenever you approach authority and you recognize authority, you submit. You have to bend the knee. You have to say, I recognize your authority and I submit under your authority. I'm not just coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I have a problem and this is what I think I'm going to do about it. I hope you're cool with it and off I go. I come to Jesus and I say, Jesus, you have the authority. I have a problem. What do you say about my problem? Because that's going to shape my response to this problem. You are the one in authority. He recognized his authority. He, you see, the Jews of the day wanted Jesus to fit into their authority structure. This Roman said, no, no, I'm going to fit into your authority structure. The third thing he recognized about Jesus, 
is he recognized Jesus' power. Not only did he recognize that Jesus had the authority to do something about his problem, but he also knew Jesus had the power to do something about his problem. That Jesus could change this problem. He, he didn't come to Jesus to say, look, I have a uh, like really bad, you know, it'll be so great if you think of us. Send positive thoughts into the universe as we do nowadays. You know, we don't even pray for, I'm thinking of you. I don't know what, I appreciate people thinking about my problem, but I don't want Jesus to think about my problem, honestly. I'm not going to Jesus to say, Jesus, won't you send some positive thoughts my way? Give me some positive energy. Or I don't know what this modern teaching is about. Manifest something. I don't know if you've encountered this nonsense. I'm not going to Jesus. I'm going to Jesus because Jesus has power. Amen. When, when, when the sick man encounters Jesus, that sick body has power, the power of sickness in it. But guess what? The power of Jesus is the power that created that body in the first place, that created everything, and that can restore order and rightness to that body. This is the power of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but have you encountered great power. You don't mess around with great power. You know, it's like if you, if you, you know, when we put up our solar system for this, this place, that's power, man. That's electricity. So like Neil oversaw the project, but, but he needed people that actually understood electricity to go and work with it. We're so glad Neil didn't go and do the connections. <laughs> you know? I'm sure he could have if he really, no. But you need qualified people because that's raw power that you need to know what you're doing when you're dealing with it. When you and I come to God, this is raw power. You're, you, you, you're not... Hey, let's try this and see if it works. Now, we know Jesus is kind, he's good, he's loving, but we must not forget this is power. Because otherwise, prayer again doesn't make a lot of sense. When I'm praying, I'm stepping into that space. And that's what this Roman soldier knew. That's why he said, Lord Jesus, don't come to my house. Don't, your power is too much for my little space to handle. Just speak the word. That's all I need from you. He knew how to, he saw, he recognized Jesus. And so I think when we come to the Lord in prayer, we come and it's a comfortable place. It's not a scary place because Jesus said, I've removed the veil. I welcome you into my presence. He's qualified us for his presence, but it is still not a place to play around in. It's still not a place to not treat with the appropriate respect. And when I come to Jesus, I recognize those things about him. He loves me. So it's this, this tension in our faith, isn't it? In one sense, I come and sit before the Lord. With, and the best way I can come to the Lord in prayer is with no pretense, with complete honesty. I am who I am. And I come, Lord, and I say, you love me. But I also come with great respect. And that's how we present ourselves. Jesus said in John 14, these amazing words, he said, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Ask me for anything in my name. 
Now, we know that in my name is not some secret little mantra or a secret code or a password that we use. You can ask whatever you want as long as you say, in the name of Jesus. And then, and then some people get really clever and they say, it's not the name of Jesus, it's the name of Yeshua. Oops, I know, now, now I'm stepping on somebody's toes, I'm sorry. You have to say it the original way, because if you say it the original way, it's got a bit more power. Ooh, power. Mm, feel the power. That's not what Jesus meant. What does it mean to say in the name of Jesus? If I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm recognizing his position. I'm recognizing his authority, and I'm recognizing his power. That he's the one, because he is the Son of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, forever interceding with me, who gives me access to come and ask because of his position, because of his authority, that he is the name above all names. He has the highest authority. I can come into his presence because he has qualified me. He has said, you can come in. His authority. And I come because I recognize his power and I know he can do something about this. Therefore, I come in the name of Jesus. I come in his character. I come in who I know Jesus is. What he's done, what he represents, everything about him. Therefore, I come in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. And guess what? If you pray in the name of Jesus, you're not going to ask for anything. You're going to ask for the things that you know he wants you to ask him for. You know, when, when you're like a young Christian and you read this verse, you go, yes, I can ask anything. And you take that anything to mean anything. And it does mean anything. But it means anything that is consistent with who Jesus is. If one of my children, they were joking with me yesterday. I don't know about your children. But they get tempted every now and then to watch things through what they call pirate sites. None of your families has this problem. You know, when they want to watch content like uh, it's the Korean thing is big in the young people now. And some of the programs that they want to watch, they can't find through legal challenge. So they go and these people that post these programs on the internet called pirate programs. They've stolen them. So my children from time to time feel tempted to participate in this tomfoolery, shall we call it. And uh, I think yesterday they were tempted and so I was like, why are you watching this? What is this? Where does this come from? And I was like, you know we don't do that. We do not participate in that. Now, if my children know me, guess what? They're not going to come and ask me, Dad, where's that site where I can get the pirate programs from? <laughs> they will not ask me that. They're not going to come and ask in the name of Louis, their father, can we do that? Because they know they're going to get an other response. Some privileges will get lost. Now, my children are bigger and, you know, they must make their own decisions in life, but you get the point. And so it is with Jesus. I'm going to go to Jesus and ask him for stupid things. And he's going to go, excuse me? Now, sometimes I do, but I don't quite know that they're stupid. But when I ask him, he says, it's okay. Now, let me show you why that's a stupid thing to ask me. And I'm not going to do that. Because if I ask in the name of Jesus, I'm asking in the character, the person of who he is. And the more I spend time and the more the Holy Spirit works with me, the Holy Spirit orientates me towards who Jesus is. But when I come, I ask in the name of Jesus. And I do so with boldness because I recognize his position, his authority, 
and his power. So when we come in prayer, when we recognize who Jesus is, I want to quickly just say four things that we do as we present, as we become present in prayer. Because prayer is not just chatting with your friend. Prayer is a bit more than that. It can have that element. There's times where I sit and I just talk with Jesus. Like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you just for who you are. Thank you for, I'm just, you know, but I'm always aware. I'm, this is, I'm chatting with Jesus. So I'm not super spiritual about it, but when I come into prayer, it's a particular space. And I want to be present in that. So last week I started talking about when, when, when we interact with Jesus in this way, we want to present ourselves. In prayer, we present ourselves. And you know what's the best way to present yourself to Jesus? Is in honesty. In, in the truth of who you are. That's what Jesus wants. Now, I know this. Jesus knows everything that I think better than what I know that I'm thinking it. He knows all my motivations better than I know my motivations. He knows everything about me inside and out. Yet, he so enjoys it when I come to him and I tell him what I'm thinking. And I'm honest with him. When I'm real with him. I, I love the way Eugene Peterson says it. He says, when you, when you come to God in prayer, don't put up a theatrical production. Remember that scripture in the message. Don't, don't put up this show. Just come as you are. Just come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is, this is the stuff that I, I don't think it's great, but here's the good, the bad, the ugly about me, Lord Jesus. And I, I, want to know, I want you to know that I know you know me, and I'm okay with that. And I want you to know me. I'm not going to act like I'm something that I'm not. That's just a waste of time in any case. It's a, that's the dumbest thing we can do. Just come to Jesus. Present yourself. Here I am, Lord. You know, sometimes I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, here I am. I'd rather be somewhere else, but here I am. Amen? Okay, it's only me. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. Lord, I'd, I'd rather be watching Liverpool lose, which doesn't happen often nowadays. It's my team that's losing more often than not. But, you know, so it's easier to pray more now because I don't want to watch my team lose. I... I Lord, here I am. So I present myself to this position of Jesus, this authority of Jesus, this power of Jesus. I present myself. This is the miracle. Little old me can be present in that space and not be consumed, not be destroyed. But it's the, the fullness of who Jesus is. The second thing is we present our worship when we come to Jesus in prayer, Jesus said when he taught us to pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I come and I present my worship to him. You know, it's so good for me to worship. I don't know about you, but it's so good for me to worship because worship reminds me of his position and my position. It's in worship that I remember that I'm not the big deal, he's the big deal. It's when I declare his praises, when, when I'm doing it in song like we do this morning, I, 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 I seem to step into that bigger space, that otherness of God, that more than what God is, than what I could even imagine or contain or think or describe. I get to step into that place and go, wow, this is God. 
Not my little God that just is defined by my needs and my issues, but this amazing God. That's what worship does. Now, where the worship is singing, where the worship is, is my work that is worship, where the wor- you know, whatever we do, it can be worship. Where I'm stepping in and I'm saying, here I am, I present worship to you. And I want to invite you to continue, present your worship to the Lord. Tell Him. It's so important that, you know, we know this as Christians, don't we? I've got a problem that develops, and I'm fixated on this problem, and I'm trying to solve this problem. The more I try and solve the problem, the bigger it gets, at least in my mind, isn't it? It's like, mm, this problem. And then I go to the Lord, and I present my worship. What happens is the problem comes to its real size because suddenly it's contrasted with this amazing God. And, and the problem Looked like it was the sun, but suddenly I realized this problem is only the moon because this God is the sun. He is huge. I see his position. I see his authority. I see his power. And I go, okay, Lord, this problem, it's a problem. I need to deal with it. But it sort of comes into perspective. That's what worship does. So we present our worship. We present our needs. Now, when I say our needs, I mean by that all-inclusive in terms of my friends' needs, my, my nation's needs, my children's needs, my own needs, needs. We present needs. We present our needs to the Lord. And isn't it amazing that Jesus said, ask. You don't. The scripture says you don't have because you don't ask. Ask. Ask boldly. Don't prejudge. Ask. Come to him and ask. And that's why I said earlier, sometimes I come to the Lord and I ask him for something. And when I ask, he starts beginning to show me why that's not the right thing to ask for. But if I didn't ask in the first place, I wouldn't have learned that. So I come and I ask. Ask. Present your needs. It's so great Debbie led us this morning to present our children to the Lord. Because, you know, the older your children get, the less control you have. You end up ultimately just being able to present them to the Lord. That's basically all you can do is you keep praying. Say, Lord, you know, send a girlfriend, please, Lord. In Jesus' name. Anybody open? Anybody? I'm, I'm, I'm growing. This idea of arranged marriage is beginning to grow on me. I've got some friends that are good negotiators, so we can talk about it, you know. We, we just present. Because when I present again my needs to the Lord, and I'm not just doing it for therapeutic reasons, I'm really presenting it to this person of authority, of position, of power, my needs begin to take shape in context. And some of my needs I go, that's not a need that I should have, or that's the wrong need, or that's not even really a need. Because I'm dealing with Jesus. Not just my buddy, but with Jesus. And then we present our faith. I don't know about your faith, but my faith sometimes feels like it's just barely getting off the floor. And I find great courage from that father that said to Jesus, help me in my unbelief. And perhaps sometimes that's like all we can muster is just, Lord, I know I should believe, but I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling. There's so much happening in my life that I'm forgetting who you are. 
I'm forgetting your position. I'm forgetting your authority. I'm forgetting your power. It's a bit obscured for me. It's, it's hidden by the, the fog and the mist of all my struggle that I'm dealing with and this diagnosis that I've got or this, this bank account that's so horrible or whatever it is, Lord. And, and I forget and my faith is wavering because I, I present my faith. Because in that moment, Jesus begins to, by the Holy Spirit, reveal himself. And the more I see Jesus, again, the more I believe him, the greater my faith becomes. But I present my faith. I don't give up. That's so encouraging, isn't it, when Jesus said, all you need is a mustard seed, a little bit. I can work with a little bit. You know, and sometimes, I generally want to do more than this, but sometimes just coming to the Lord Jesus is a mustard seed. And I just say, Lord, I don't even know if you care about this or if you want to do anything about it, but here I am. He says, I can work with that. I need to grow it, but I can work with it. I present my faith. We present ourselves, we present our worship, we present our needs, and we present our faith. And this week that we are entering now is called the week of prayer and fasting. And let's not forget the power of fasting. Fasting makes sense when you understand the position of Jesus, when you understand the authority of Jesus, when you understand this power, who you're dealing with, then fasting begins to make sense. Because what is fasting? Fasting is when we let go of something that we think or perhaps actually need for life that can make us feel like, as long as I have this, I'm okay. Sometimes I need to let go of that to say, there's something more important in my life. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. And that's why he was busy fasting for 40 days. Sometimes I think food is, as long as I have food, I'm okay. And how many of you know your bodies can get pretty demanding? Eh? They shout very loud when you don't give them what they want. Okay, none of you have that problem. I was like, yes, I'm so, I'm so glad to be surrounded by such holy people. That means there's, a, there's hope for me also. Fasting is a way where I say, Lord Jesus, I recognize your position. I need you more than what I need this. And now I can't live without food for always, but for a period of time, perhaps it's appropriate to just elevate Jesus and put that down for a bit. And so I want to encourage you, consider to fast. Now we do corporate, we do a fast together as a community, but it's up to you how you fast. Now if you've never done a full fast, like no food, you only live off water. Can I advise you not to do that for more than a day when it's your first time? Because like, if you do it, you become a different person. And, and life is not so great. So if, you know, if you're used to it, go for it. But find a way to fast. Perhaps you have not fasted, it's not part of your rhythm, then I'd encourage you to, to perhaps do a food fast where you, where you fast in the day and but you eat at night. And then don't binge at night. Thank you for that word. I, I had another animal in mind when, you know, troughing and, you know, all of that. But don't binge when you eat at night, like eat the whole day's food, you know. That may be, or, or go on what we often call a Daniel diet, a Daniel fast, or a uh, Daniel fast, not a diet, Daniel fast. Daniel fast is to say, I'm letting go of the sort of substantive nice things, and I'm just going to, for a couple of days, just eat fruit and vegetables. 
and, and, and do that. Now, Natasha and I have gone on fruit, those kind of Daniel fasts for long periods of time, like a month at a time. Let me tell you, by week three, you're standing in front of the steers, <laughs> and you're looking at that, and you're saying, chips or vegetables. <laughs> Amen? And then we're talking to one another, and we're justifying it to each other. Because when you go on a fruit, vegetable fast like that, you miss saltiness, man. I start like craving meat because you want that substance. But, and that, the only way to get through it is you've got to pray. But it may be that you don't fast food. Then I'd invite you to join me on my long fast that I've been on for 30 years now. I've been fasting coffee for 30 years. No coffee for 30 years. Join me. So that's not my fast that I'm going to be doing this week. It's not really for spiritual reasons that I'm not drinking coffee. I, I just don't drink coffee. But some of you addicts, you can't even go an hour without coffee. So it may be that you decide to fast coffee. Just be prepared for the headaches that you're going to get. Or fast sugar. Or you may fast social media. How many of you have recognized that we have a new addiction nowadays in the, in the modern world? You know what that addiction looks like? How many times have you picked up your phone and you're looking at it and you're going, why am I looking at my phone? It's like involuntary now. We just do this all the time. Perhaps it's a great thing to fast that or fast screen time or fast your children or fast whatever. <laughs> you know? Just don't tell them you're fasting them. You, you want to see it on their face when they get no response from you. But fasting is a way that we come and we say, Lord, I recognize my absolute need for you. And I want to tell my, my own body, my own being, that I need you more than anything else. And, you know, let the Lord lead you in that. There's great resources that we have. But join us as we pray. Prayer, that acronym that we spoke about before, is to pause. Pause before the Lord. And that's the present yourself. Come. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm here with you. Reflect, rejoice, PR. Reflect on who he is, rejoice, worship him, present your worship. Present your requests before him, ask. Ask what it is you want to ask the Lord. And then why in our P-R-A-Y is yield. Your will, Lord, not my will. Shape me according to your authority, according to who you are, your plans for, this, for my life and for this world. Won't you stand with me? So we're going to invite you to join us in our week of prayer and fasting this week. Uh, we have the booklets, so they were designed. You can do this all on your own. You don't have to, but it's really great to do it with others. And as Ben said earlier, we have the morning prayer times at 6 o'clock online, so you will find the, the link for that, and please be part of that for half an hour if you can. We have lunchtime prayer, and we have the evening sessions on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And come and Join as you can. But the, I, the main idea is that, as I spoke about last week, you step closer to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Thank you, Jesus. I get to do this with you. And this, a moment with you will change my life forever because you have that power and authority. Lord, I pray for us as a community and I pray for every individual, those joining us online, everyone here, 
I pray, Lord, for a working of your Spirit within us, a stirring, a drawing closer to you. Help us not reduce you, make you less than what you are, but to know that we are fully qualified and invited to come into your presence and to be with you, to be comfortable in your presence because you've given us that access and that right. So I pray for every person, Lord. You know what's going on in our lives. You know perhaps this is the most busiest week ahead. I pray that for every one of us, we will find ways to just build that rhythm, connect with you, and grow from that place forward. Because we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. This is not a duty. It's a privilege. I love you, Jesus. You are the greatest thing. All that I need is you, Jesus. Thank you for that privilege. That everything I need is in you and I've got access to you. I don't have to look through the window hoping, gazing, wondering, dreaming. Perhaps someday I can step into your presence. And I pray for that for each of us, Lord. And, and corporately together as a community that we will have wonderful times together with you so that you will shape us as a community, that we can be some foretaste for people of what the kingdom of God can look like, and that you can send us out to be the salt and the light. I bless everyone here in the name of Jesus. May the person of the Lord Jesus be your constant companion through the power of the Holy Spirit. May his authority reshape your life and may his power be evident in every need and every situation. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you through the week. And uh, thank you for being with us this morning. Remember those that are interested in meeting with Ben in the visitor's lounge. It's just in the foyer. You're welcome to do that. If you want to pick up any of the booklets, please do that. And the healing room starts next week at quarter to nine. For those of you that are wanting to come and help and let people pray with you in that space. If you need prayer this morning for anything, our team is available in the front and would love to pray with you and just consider it a privilege to pray with you and present anything that you want to present to the Lord this morning to do that with you. So please come to the front. If you're online, then there's also on the screen will be the address where you can reach out for somebody to pray with you. And may the Lord bless you.